my kind of my motto is breathe, move, eat, sleep, and love. So first and foremost, how are you breathing? And what can we do to make sure you're breathing effectively? Then we can look at different types of, of exercises, maybe that individual prefers, what their goals are. And then you can look at what's the food? What are we eating? What are we fueling our body with? If you're just going to be sitting at a chair all day, you probably shouldn't be putting all kinds of heavy calories on you, right? And then are we getting to sleep under a good hour? Are we staring at our screen right before we go to bed? And then lastly, I say love simply because we got to do what we love. We got to be around the people we love. And then we can take all these other things, getting outside in the sun and enjoying life kind of falls into that. Of course, we start this podcast with Moe's showing the guest his thighs and his gains. Moe's very happy about that stuff. Um, very pleased. But I think he's met his uh, maker with the thighs. I'm not going to make Dave show his thighs off, but we <laughs> were shooting for his website because he's launching a new website for his program. Um, and I was astonished by the quality of his thighs. So is that from... I, I couldn't stop looking. Is that from... <laughs> the hockey you play growing up with the working out you do, or do you think that they've taken uh, another step of growth through, you know, the, the training modalities you, you do? That's hilarious. First of all, I didn't notice you noticing and you didn't say anything. I wouldn't have minded. Um, but I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, people are genetically born with certain muscle disposition, right? And I naturally had kind of defined legs since I was a little kid. I played sports my whole life. I played soccer and hockey my growing up my entire life. And I've trained forever. I've always been into fitness and, and really, really active. But I do have to say over the last five or 10 years, when I've gotten a little bit more serious in my personal training and my journey into movement, I have seen even more kind of development through, uh, through my, my thighs and, and my, my calves, especially, yeah. Uh, maybe not bigger, but definitely more strength and stability uh, and more controllability, more movability within my legs. And I think as I get longer and more mobile or flexible, the muscles also look a little leaner and longer. So I think it's a combination of everything. I guess it, I answered that very longly and it wasn't really a clear answer, but um, yeah, I think it kind of, it's kind of everything, right? Like some people uh, may be born with not so much definition in their, in their muscle, in their legs, uh, or in their muscle in general, and can be incredibly strong and incredibly mobile and do incredible things, right? Some of the worst fighters don't necessarily have the best looking bodies. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, <laughs> but before I want to jump into like, because I really want to have you on because when we were shooting, you were talking a lot about, you know, how living a healthy life can, you know, it, it doesn't just change the way you move, but also changes the way like you work sitting down because a lot of us work sitting down, especially Mose and I, who I'm a videographer editor. He's a graphic designer. Before I want to get into like that kind of chat, I do want you like maybe introduce yourself a bit like what sure. is it even for Mo's in the audience like what is it that you do and like um preach to your clients and and what, what's like i guess your mission statement with the work you do um essentially what i do is try to bring people back to how we used to live as humans in today's kind of modern and digital age um, i like to try to get people back to how we lived and that means breathing better that means moving more ancestrally, right? Getting on the floor. So you just mentioned you're in a chair all the time while I'm sitting on the floor, right? Like I'm not sitting in a chair. I'm sitting on the floor while we do this interview. Um, I'll stand at my desk. I try to sit down as little as possible to move more like we would have moved back a long, long time ago when our bodies were still functioning better. And then I also look at the food from that perspective too. And, and what did we evolve 
and thrive eating as humans? And how did we become the species, the super species we are dominating the planet? So I try to come back to what we used to do. The further I got into this journey in health and wellness, so I'm certified as a, as a primal health and wellness coach. I'm a functional mobility specialist uh, through functional range conditioning. And I'm a breath instructor I'm a, uh, with oxygen advantage. So that's kind of my credentials. But the reason why I went down, down those paths was as I got deeper and deeper into my health and, and wellness, personal health and wellness journey, I found I kept going back to our roots. So the more I try to do more innovative muscle exercises at the gym or using different equipment or maybe incorporating new supplements or foods or different things to try to enhance my performance, I found I was always coming back to the way we used to do it. Um, and, and that's kind of how my journey brought me to where I am today. And that's kind of what I preach to the people I teach. So whether you want to be an elite level athlete and perform at the highest level of, of humans in whatever field you choose, or you just want to feel good and go about your day to day, we all need that base to work from. And that's being the best human that, that you can be. And then you can go out and complement that with whatever activities you want to do. Does that make sense? I wanted yeah, I wanted to pause on that sitting piece for people who mm -hmm. wouldn't think about that so much. What are some of the dangers of sitting for, we'll call it even four to six hours a day? Oh, it's well, first of all, your hips are in a compromised position right away. As soon as you sit in that hip flex position and you're relaxed, your hips are going to be kind of condensed right away. That little hip flexor that's going to open up your leg to help lift your leg up and down is going to be pinched all the time. So people that are living a sedentary lifestyle, 99% of the time, try to put them in a deep squat and there's no chance they're getting anywhere near there, right? Like, you know that I'm sure, right? Um, so I think the hips, the back as well from kind of hunching over the computer, always sitting and kind of hunching like this. So the back and shoulders, so a lot of people have this cranked neck, right? Like tech neck, I've heard it called as well. So you're always like this in a chair looking down and it doesn't even get better when we get up and we're walking around staring at our phones like this too, right? So, I mean, it's constant. We're always in this kind of slouched forward position and we never get into this nice straight posture. And again, that's the other kind of the opposite side of that is people talking about natural and neutral spine and position and trying to find this perfect posture. There isn't that either, right? There's kind of somewhere in between where we have this comfortable position that we need to find. And until you have that strong base and understand your body, it's almost like you're always fighting it, right? You're either in this really compromised weak position or you're one of these guys that's trying to fight and get better into this posture and you're fighting it instead of just having this natural, comfortable way to live and, and sit. That reminds me of, um, I, I believe it was Jordan Peterson who talked about it um, in his book. And it's when, as humans, if we are always approaching the world and moving in this closed off state, what actually does psychologically is similar to, you know, when people say you should just smile and it's going to make mm -hmm. you feel better. It, it causes this um, chemical reaction. I don't want to say what chemicals is. I don't know. Um, but you get more positive. It's yeah. similar to if you like approach the world with an open chest, you're not afraid of what's going to come. People look at you with more respect. They look at you with like, you know, this guy's brave. He has pride, but also if you just force yourself into a happier position or rather a more open position, you'll become more happy, less fearful, more confident, just naturally by practicing this. So spending all day Absolutely. like this, I would imagine it affects our collective psyche of how we interact with the world and people. Totally. So. Totally. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, you bring on a whole other can of worms, right? Like just how the world perceives you by your body posture and your, your language, your body language, right? Like that makes a big difference in how, how people approach you. 
But then even to compound that, so now we're stuck in a chair looking at a screen and we're probably looking at something that's most likely frustrating us or stimulating our mind, right? Whether it's on Instagram, something exciting, or maybe an email from the boss that you don't really like that's bothering you. And you're in this compromised position. You look at this difficult or frustrating situation and then you start to kind of hyperventilate, you start to overbreathe, and you don't even realize that you're getting into the sympathetic state. You're into this threat mode. And we all live there far too often. And we're always in this threat mode, always feeling like we're under attack. Our posture's compromised, our breathing becomes compromised. And it's just this constant loop of discomfort and driving our body into a negative state. And similar to what you were saying, how you bring that on, right? You bring on, you bring on positivity. If you, if you spread positivity, more positivity seems to come your way. It's gonna be the same with that negative situation. So if you're not breathing right, you have this poor posture, you're sitting in your chair when you get in your car, you get out of your car, you go into your office, you sit in your chair and you get out of your chair and you go back in your car and you drive home and then you come home and you sit in your chair and you eat dinner. You get up and you sit in your chair and you watch Netflix. There's a lot of bad stuff going on there. And then we think we're going to go to the gym for an hour, maybe a day, maybe, maybe four times a week, somebody goes an hour. So four hours a week to make up for all that sedentary life in the zoo. My question was that if you have somebody who recognizes that they're in this compromised position and that they have a lifestyle that puts them in that compromised position a lot, mm-hmm. how do you make sure that person doesn't go too far where they're just like cranking themselves into extension all day and trying to uh, compensate that way? So I would, I would recommend it depends on the person. It always depends on the individual and the status when I'm meeting them and then their goal, right? So if your simple goal was somebody that's, I'm always a sedentary lifestyle and I want to just get out of the habit of always slouching, I would have you set an alarm on your, on your phone every hour, have an alarm that goes off. And, and all you do is put your computer aside, put your phone aside, take five or 10 minutes to yourself. And I would teach you a simple breathing exercise. And it wouldn't be a matter of trying to jack yourself up into this perfect posture. It would be trying to relax, just trying to find a natural position and learning to control your breath and slowing the breath down and touching onto that parasympathetic side of the nervous system, allowing yourself to relax, calm down, take five minutes to yourself, and then go back to work. And you'll notice you would naturally be a little bit more straight and calm. Maybe after another hour or two, you're going to start to kind of slouch down. Boom, the alarm goes off again. Take three, five minutes, whatever it takes every hour or so until it becomes more of a natural thing. And over time, what ends up happening is as you feel yourself get frustrated or in a difficult situation, you can just take 30 seconds to, you know, kind of close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, calming breaths, slow breaths. And all of a sudden your mind is calm again and you can really attack the situation in a comfortable spot. I think you're really outlining that proactive approach where you're, you're kind of in work mode and you're taking those breaks throughout. My Mm -hmm. question is that, do you do anything kind of before you start working or after, or is it something where you've built up the system um, and this process where you don't even need kind of a warm up ritual? And the reason that I asked this is because about a month ago, I started doing this really light stretching slash yoga routine Mm -hmm. um, before I started sitting down on my computer to work. And I found that I just felt so much more um, comfortable jumping into work. Like my body, my especially my lower back, my hips, like you said earlier, like there wasn't that tightness. So the question was like, do you have kind of a, a kickstart almost ritual before you start working? Or is that just something that you don't do? Absolutely. It almost has evolved into, you know, it gets crazier by the day sometimes. But um, over the years, I've built a morning ritual and now I have an evening ritual. 
that I enjoy. I truly enjoy it. And it, it, it consists of some breath work, some meditation for a few minutes. And then I do a full body mobility kind of check-in and that's just running through the main joint. So I move my neck around, I'll move my middle spine, I'll move my low back, I'll move my shoulders in different ways. I'll move my hips in different ways, knees and ankles. And I'm good to start the day, right? My spine too. I missed that one. That's the most important one, but I move my spine around. And then I start my day. I'm not worried what's going to happen. If I take the dog for a walk and he yanks on my arm, my body's prepared for it, right? If I'm sitting at the chair for it for a few hours, my body will be okay with it. Or if I want to get my workout in first thing, my body's ready for that as well. So that's become kind of my, my go-to thing at night. I do similar. It's, it's a lot less movement based. It's more breathing and meditative to help me kind of get into that deep seat, that deep sleep uh, state, that theta state. So I want to transition to, uh, usually we have creatives on this podcast. We have, Mm -hmm. you know, videographers, graphic designers, and also like marketers, like people in the space of, you know, creating content that leads to sales. It's kind of like what we're doing, you and I, Dave, um, for your Mm -hmm. website. So I want to like take it to, you work with athletes mainly to optimize their life and their performance, but sometimes it's important for creatives to look at like their job and what they do. Like they're an athlete, you know, you, you learn new techniques, you apply them. And then it's this cycle of learning and applying similar to an Mm -hmm. athlete. How can people like optimize their life so that they can work happier, longer, and more effectively day to day? Cause I think a lot of people deal with productivity issues. Yeah. I think everything starts with the breath no matter what you are elite level athlete or somebody that just wants to be better at your day job, it starts with the breath. And almost everyone I work with, when we do a first uh, assessment, they have a breathing disorder. They have some kind of breathing disorder or breathing dysfunction. Your cognitive space is relying on your breath, right? Your mind body connection is that breath. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be some meditative or mindfulness practice. And I know a lot of men kind of, kind of veer away from that and athletes I work with, the creative space, they might be way more open to it. Um, but really, it's just a matter of connecting with that breath, understanding how to control it, extending the exhales when necessary, and doing some different exercises to really connect with yourself and understand where you are. And that'll that'll improve everything, I find. I mean, it's the, ma- the most basic motor pattern we do is breathing, right? If you can't breathe properly, you're not moving properly. If you're not moving properly, you're probably not sleeping properly. Right. If you're not breathing properly, you're not sleeping properly for sure. And if you're not sleeping properly, you're definitely not thinking creatively and going to be as effective at your job. I kind of look at that. It's like, let's fix our breathing. But what's so challenging about that, and it's similar to I know that some people walk wrong, you know, they walk with like their feet out like this, whereas you should be more more centered in because you can hurt your hips, your knees. But the problem is when we breathe roughly like 20,000 times a day, I think you told me, or is that anywhere mm-hmm. from 12 to 20? I forget the exact well, number. Well, it depends. Well, <laughs> The average is so huge because the, the, the people all breathe so di- so much differently, right? The average person is usually around 20 breaths per minute, which is like 29,000 breaths a day. Ideally, as humans, we should be at six breaths per minute. I say that, but I'm not there. But that's ideally where we should be, which puts us at like 9,000 breaths a day. That's a difference of 22,000 breaths. That's huge. That's crazy. If you think about it every single day. Now, why that's important when you're bringing breath in through your mouth and should be bringing in through your nose. So as you're breathing in through your nose, it's going to go through your sinus cavity. It's going to come down. It doesn't touch your lungs until it gets down here. So you're not converting any of that oxygen until it actually hits your lungs. 
And in fact, the bottom parts of your lungs, where they're the biggest, is where you're going to have the best gas exchange. That's why you'll hear people always say, try to breathe deep and use that diaphragm to pull the air down low, right? From here to here is about 150 milliliters of oxygen that's never going to hit your lungs. So if you're doing 22,000 extra breaths with 150 milliliters of wasted oxygen, pretty significant, pretty significant. But what's so hard to train that is you for, let's just say I meet you, I'm a 20 year old kid. I've yep. been breathing shallow for 20 years. Yeah. So 20,000, 29,000 breaths a day times 365. I don't know. I don't Crazy. know the math, but you know, it's like it's huge yep. millions and millions and millions of breaths. Yeah. That builds a repetition that I don't know if you crack even within a year of practice to get. You would be surprised down. how fast you can start bringing it down. Um, really, when it comes to breathing, there's kind of three, there's three main pillars. There's the biochemistry. So we just quickly talked about the gas exchange, right? The oxygen and the carbon dioxide and how that changes. There's the mechanics of your breathing, right? So the muscles, the diaphragm is the main one that pulls the lungs down, but there's all the intercostal and the ribs and all these other kind of muscles that are helping with breath as well. Right. So that's the mechanics of it. And then there's the cadence that what we're talking about, the respiratory rate. So how often are you bringing that air in and out of your lungs? Right. So those are kind of the three main things that will help with your breathing. The, the most important thing to bring those three kind of all together. The one thing that overlaps all three of those is nasal breathing is making sure we're using our nose. That's as much as possible. That's during physical exercise. That's during sleep to a point where maybe even taping your mouth at night to ensure that you are using your nose. And a lot of people hear that and they think it's crazy, um, but it's changed my sleep dramatically. Um, so that's kind of the thing I, I, when I first start working with athletes and, and clients, it's nose, it's nasal breathing. First, can you breathe through your nose? And a lot of them can't. And that's, that's where we start. Then we start to do nose blocking exercises and understanding why maybe they can't think about a hockey player and their noses. You know, it, most of them can't breathe through their nose when I meet them. Even at a young I, age. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I had, a, I have a deviated septum, which just means this bone is crooked. Right. So if you've got smacked in the nose once, you probably have a deviated septum, the, almost the entire population has a deviated septum. So we're not breathing properly. <laughs> we're not using our nose. I love, yeah. so just bring it back to like the creative sense. So it starts with the breathing, but yeah, I, and I, I can definitely relate to that because I had the surgery for my deviated septum, always had trouble right. breathing. It's really good that. now, but I can definitely feel like it's kind of coming back into that space of like, Sometimes it's a bit clogged, not from mucus, but it's from probably the turbinoids, which are these bones that yep. are, you know, in your nose that inflame and deflame all day. Um, but like, what do, what do you say to people who I can speak personally, where sometimes I wake up and, you know, I, I know I have to do all this editing and I'm sitting down. I'm a very active person. Like I get energized when I'm moving and touching. That's just like my personality. Whereas I know some people, you know, they can sit all day and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Like what are things that someone like me can do where I sit down and I'm editing and it's good for like two hours, maybe an hour. And then I start to get this like mental fatigue. And it's not like I ate a whole bunch of like crappy food. I'm drinking water. I'm, I'm sipping on coffee. Like I'm not necessarily unhealthy in that regard, but I'm losing that like mental edge when I'm sitting. So if I, first I'd have to know what your, like what your respiratory system status is. Right. So I would do a quick assessment with you and I could give you different exercises depending on like where you are, right? Like, are you prone to panic attacks or do you have anxiety at all? That's, that would be important to know, right? Are you, I don't think you're pregnant, but if you're pregnant, I definitely wouldn't have you doing any breath holds, right? So those are some of the things. If you're, I do a test on them, it's on my clients, it's called a BOLT score. And it's basically just testing their base oxygen level test. That's what that stands for. 
And once I understand where your base oxygen test is and your sensitivity to carbon dioxide, then we can structure certain exercises. So I, you're probably relatively healthy. We could probably do some breath holds, but it would be some very simple breath holds, you know, five consecutive breath holds and your mind would be razor sharp, ready to go. And there's some really minor stuff you could do with people that, you know, maybe have asthma or, or aren't as healthy as yourself, where you can do five second breath holds. It'd be like gentle breaths in and out, couple breaths in and out. And then you're just holding your nose for five seconds, pinching your nose, holding your breath for five seconds, and then come back to normal breathing. And you do that for three or four minutes and you'd be surprised how clear your mind gets. And even that is great for unblocking the nose too. That very gentle five second breath holds while you're pinching your nose. I love that. Um, I just want to kind of expand on that question that Will asked. I think that a lot of the people that I meet don't even have the awareness around, I feel great when I start. We can call that a 10, 10 out of 10 focus, energy, clarity, however you want to describe that. But they have very little awareness when that energy or focus slips. Would you? How important would you say that awareness piece is to just being able to see like, oh, I need to take a breath right now. Oh, I need to take 30 seconds or a minute just to mm -hmm. kind of get myself in order. Is that awareness? Do you see when clients come to you that that awareness piece is lacking and kind of where does that figure into the training piece? Absolutely. That's a great, that's a great question because that's something everyone struggles with, uh, myself included. When I first started experimenting with breath work and digging kind of deeper into it, I was nowhere. I thought I was, I had a healthy respiratory system. I had trained my whole life. I started doing assessments on myself and realizing I had, I had a breathing dysfunction. I had stuff to work on, lots of stuff to work on. I have since, but to your directly to your question, when I first started exploring the awareness of the breath came to play, I started to really become aware of the breath in certain situations. And that's where the changes really started to come into play. So what I mean by that is maybe you're in a difficult situation in a meeting or, or something stressful. I started to check in on my breath. I'd be like, oh, wow, I'm kind of over breathing. Okay, calm down. And as I could slow my breath, I found I was becoming more methodical with my thinking and I was able to kind of slow down the situation. I'm noticing that when I play hockey now too, when I get on the ice, I mean, I never tell my athletes to try and worry about your breathing while you're playing. But when we come to the bench, I try to help them calm it. But I'm personally, I'm on the ice and I'm trying to, wow, I'm breathing. Like I could feel myself really panting. And when I would have moments, I kind of check in and I slow it down, close my mouth. And all of a sudden the game starts to kind of slow down a little bit too. It's this awareness. And I mean, even during sex, you can notice it. Start to catch your breath, right? Slow your breath. You want to be a champ in the sack? Learn how to control your breath, right? When you're coming near climax, if you can slow that breath, you can control the world. So, I mean, yeah, that awareness is key to training. And when the clients can start to tap in on it, you see the, the progress just starts to the trajectory goes. Yeah, absolutely. How important would you say the interplay between awareness and just your posture is? Because if you're in that kind of compromised position, um, I would imagine that it's even harder to kind of write yourself. So what's the interplay between kind of the biomechanics and mm -hmm. having that awareness component as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are kind of inter intertied. Um, sometimes people are more aware of their posture lacking and then they can check in with their breath. Again, it depends on the individual, but a lot of times what I do is when I work with people, I do functional breath work with the movement. 
So we may have them bring their arm. Like, so let's say you're somebody that's always crouched like this. Maybe we have you bring your arms behind your head, nice breath in. And then as you exhale, pull into that flexion, right? Learn how to inhale with extension, getting longer through the spine and exhale as you flex and pull down and push the air out of the body, right? Maybe twisting as you inhale, coming back to square as we in, excuse me, exhale, inhale, right? So I would work with the muscle and the tissue and the breath. We find it really allows to open things up. Because now the diaphragm and all these breathing muscles, they're, they're key for posture. They're key for stability. Like if you think of a weightlifter, right? When they grip that snatch and they pull that weight right up overhead, what are they? They're holding their breath, right? So we, and then they hold that breath. They lock it in their, their abdomen, right? That diaphragm's locked in place. It's holding them stable. If they were to let go of that air, boom, that, their spine's going to crumble and they're going to fall under that weight. So it's learning how to use that stability and the mechanics of the breath for an athlete but also learning how to just kind of take that mechanics in the breathing and understand how to get longer as we breathe in and let it shrink as you exhale. And it, yeah, it does a world of difference, that mechanics, absolutely. Well, like hearing this, I'm like, this is how you optimize and it totally makes sense. But then I look at a lot of guys that we know who are like incredible, like really creative, they're not active people, they're not necessarily the healthiest people, um, but yet they make such good work consistently. They, I don't know if they necessarily deal with a lot of stress and anxiety. It just seems like they can really perform and be productive in a state of, you know, suboptimal human performance. Like what, is it just a matter of pushing through those, you know, feeling like crap, they're used to it. Do they even need to become, like, do they even need all this like breathing and training? Like, can you speak to that? I think some people, you know, win the genetic lottery too, right? Like some people are just born naturally with abilities beyond others, right? Some of the best athletes, if you look at their facial structure, they're going to have a huge sinus cavity. They're going to have these big noses and big nostrils that can pull in air very well. All the best track athletes, right? They have this genetic inheritance to pull in air way better than everyone else. They have these big, long, giant legs to run faster than everyone else. Some of these people that are just throwing out creative, amazing creative work, works, they may just have this inherent ability to focus, this inherent ability to maybe their breath is already very effective and they're calm and they're in the zone. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of genetics that are involved in this as well, mm -hmm. right? And then how your environment growing up, the foods you ate when you were little, how your body kind of changed as you got older will play against those genetics and how they express themselves as well. So if, if the kind of big three for somebody that's, that's kind of in the position that will described, where they're like, I don't really like, I work at a computer being an athlete or even treating my body. Well, isn't my job. If you looked at the big three of sleep, nutrition and exercise slash just kind of getting the body moving, what would be the lowest hanging fruit for each of those items to see like a quick win? A breath work. Breathwork, which number one, yeah. So I mean, my kind of my motto is uh, breathe, move, eat, sleep, and love. Those are kind of my pillars to health. I mean, if you're not breathing right, you're not doing anything else right. You're not moving right. You're not going to be eating right because you're not going to oxidize your food, right? It takes oxygen to oxidize your to metabolize your food. So you're not going to be eating properly, even if you're eating healthy food, and you're certainly not sleeping right if you're not breathing. So first and foremost, how are you breathing, and what can we do to make sure you're breathing effectively? right? Then we can look at movement patterns, different types of, of exercises, maybe that individual prefers what their goals are. And then you can look at what's the food, what are we eating? What are we fueling our body with? How are we, you want to go and do exercises? Well, what kind of food are you supporting your body with? If you're just going to be sitting at a 
chair all day, you probably shouldn't be putting all kinds of heavy calories on you, right? If you're not going to be active at all. And then are we getting to sleep under a good hour? Are we staring at our screen right before we go to bed, right? Are we getting all kinds of cortisol dumped in our mind right before we go to bed, right? Are we thinking mindfully before we go to sleep? Like those are kind of the, the pillars, lowest hanging fruit, breath for sure. And then lastly, I say love simply because we got to do what we love. We got to be around the people we love. And then we can take all these other things, getting outside in the sun and enjoying life kind of falls into that, that last, I don't want to call it the last bucket, but kind of the big bucket. I love that the statement you're saying about love because I found during this pandemic, so like pre pandemic, I was working like a madman. It was like all day, almost every single day I'd have like Sundays off for sure, but it just felt like it was always going, but I had this like I don't know, this energy to keep on going. And I never felt this like, you know, lethargic, like I don't want to wake up and do these things because I felt like I had things, what I believe is I had things in my life that I loved, such as playing hockey. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'd see friends, different friends in different scenarios. And it was this like diverse life of like work, play, socialization. And with the pandemic hitting, like I've lost all those like things I've loved and I can notice my productivity and my work life has just, plummeted like it hits Mm. 4 p.m 5 p.m there's something switches in my head where i'm like i'm just not happy like i don't like what i'm doing i I don't want to do anything i just want to go like sit down or lie in my bed and do nothing like is there a way to like you know hack that i mean a part of it's the cold weather can't go outside but it, it just feels like if you don't have things that are external outside of the work or your passion like other hobbies like it just feels like if you don't have that love you can't you can't even be productive can't even enjoy what you're doing in the slightest we're a tribal species right we're a communal species we need to have people that we are a part of and not just our family that live in our house right not just the people we go to work with but tribe like you said playing hockey and doing these things you enjoy going to jujitsu like that those are your tribes right like you go and you meet with these people and they have the same interests as you i think this pandemic has been incredibly unhealthy for everyone in so many ways especially on the mental health front. I mean, they are talking about it a little bit, but it's been so detrimental to the youth, especially the younger kids. Like my daughter, I have a daughter who's seven and watching them go through this has been, it's been so sad. Like my son, I have a son who's almost two. We went into the toy store yesterday and he's grabbing his jacket and he's trying to cover his face to fit in. It's like this, I mean, it's just this, it's this weird time, man. But I think that's it. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. That's what you're missing. You're missing that kind of communal support, that camaraderie that you were used to having. And I think we need to have that as a species, as humans. Some of the things you can do to maybe make up for it is getting out in the sun. So now this nicer weather hopefully is going to you know, help with that. And you know, I'm feeling the sun, but get out on the grass, take your shoes off, walk on the grass, feel the earth on your feet, be grounded be part of the earth, right? Do some of those types of things. Um, I mean, Can we I think talk that about will help. That? Yeah. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but I love that. I So I actually heard this comedian, Whitney Cummings, talk about, she read a book where when humans bare feet touch grass, there's mm-hmm. like a chemical reaction in your brain that we've lost through wearing these like thick soles and mm-hmm. not just the thick soles on our shoes, but also walking on concrete. Do you know what, what, what exactly is it when you're a human's feet touch grass because I do notice a difference and I don't know if that's me just being a granola, you know, North American, like, ooh, kind of person. But No, like, no, there are absolutely, there's all kinds of science behind it. 
there isn't any specifics I can talk to, but there is, it's, you're actually grounding to the earth, right? Like, so it's not necessarily just grass, it's dirt. It's as long as you're on earth, right? So you can walk on the sand on the beach, right? Grass, as long as you're connecting to earth, you're going to have that kind of relaxation feel. There's all kinds of science behind it. There's so many different studies. I mean, but really it's five or 10 minutes walking on the grass or on some earth every day. And it makes so much difference. There's, you can buy grounding mats that you can sleep with. You can, you literally plug it into your outlet, which just goes to earth ground, right? Down in your electrical panel downstairs. And it's a, it's a blanket that sits under your mattress that you sleep on. You can get grounding mats for your feet that like, while you're working, you can have it and take your shoes off and you put your feet on this mat while you're sitting there at your desk and you're grounded through the earth. Yeah. So it's not just that it's earth and grass. It's that there's like a magnetic electrical field that it. everyone knows that yeah. exists in the world. That that's what you're connecting to. to. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, so I'm always a natural guy, so I don't have any of those ground. I've never tried a grounding mat. I've never, but I know they exist, but I'm always about, I'm get outside, man. Even the winter, as soon as the snow is gone, I'm on my bare feet in the grass. Yeah. That's what I did last summer was I, whenever I felt like I had some mental fatigue, and last summer I was like big into like, yeah. I mean, I've always been big into like cartwheels, handstands, pushups, like just trying to like the monkey crawls, all these things. Mm-hmm. Like I find open my body up and my brain up and I would just go out for like 10, 15 minutes, do handstands, sit cross-legged in like grass, just kind of like take that mental Beautiful. break, listen to some music, a podcast or whatever. And it definitely reset me. But when this winter hit, I'm just in this apartment, just yeah. talking to my girlfriend yeah. or whatever. It's real, real yeah. tough. And yeah, uh, totally. Moses, you were, you were going to say something. Yeah, I wanted to dive into the the outdoor exercise piece of that. Do you make it a point? I don't know what your training schedule is like, but do you make it a point to work out outside at any point in the week? How much of a focus is that? It, it, during the winter, not as often. I try to get a run in here or there where I can. Um, but in the summer, every time I can, I'm always outside in the in the sun trying to train. Yeah, shirt off, as much vitamin D as I can get. Like I'm that weird neighbor that walks down the street with a shirt off. <laughs> I don't care. I'm getting vitamin D. <laughs> but yeah, I'm yeah, I love it as often as possible. As often as possible. Even in the rain. I love it. I do Zoom sessions with my with my clients all the time and I'm like out in the backyard. I don't know if they hate it or not, but shirtless training them, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I do what I preach. That's for sure. I love that. And I just kind of want to talk about also, you recently reached out to me and uh, Max, we actually had on the podcast too. We Max and I do a lot of video work together and photo and you reach out to us and you want to, you know, make the what you're making the website. You want to get more content ready and out there. Like, can you just talk about that transition? Like, why, why are you like wanting to reach out and like start doing online video marketing in a different way. Cause I know you've been doing it the whole time, but like, w- what's this transition? Can you speak to why you want to do this? Yeah. I mean, over the pandemic, so I've worked a long time in engineering technology. That was my career for over 12 years. I was with a big corporation. And as the pandemic happened, um, I was out of a job. I no longer was employed. Now over the last, I would say 20 years or so, I've been completely obsessed with health and wellness, completely obsessed. It started with nutrition Um, And I I started doing my own research and diving deep into that. And like I said, I kept getting back to kind of the ancestral roots, so on and so forth. Well, as the time has passed, athletes in my network that I've known over the years kept reaching out to me, wanted to work with me doing different things. So I kind of had two jobs for a long time. My real love is clearly this, is clearly working in the health and wellness industry. 
Um, but I had a great job and I was working at a great company and, you know, I was very happy with that. And I've been doing that for quite some time. I'd done a lot of traveling with them and it was, you know, I was doing quite well with them. It was good. Well, as the pandemic kind of happened and the company started downsizing, it was, a, it, was it became kind of the most perfect opportunity for me to dive full board into to this, this career. So here I am completely dedicated to helping people with their health. Um, and yeah, I'm building my website so I can kind of start building a community and understand what some of my clients really want and expect from me. And I can build the business around that. So that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah. And just like you, you've been dabbling your toes in that first video shoot. Have you done one before, like photo and video like that? No, that was my first time. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it went pretty well. Um, but like, what, what are some of like the, what are like your thoughts going into it? Cause I think, did you, did you grow up like when you got Instagram the first time, like how old were you and where were you in life? Like, was it like this weird thing you want to jump on? So Instagram is weird. Yeah. Instagram. I like, I didn't never had Facebook. I was that, you know, I'm, I'm 41 years old. So I'm just ahead of kind of the real techie, you know, like the, my, I never made my space or any, I was like, refused to get Facebook as I got a little older and I got my, I worked with so many athletes. I was working with so many people and people kept asking me questions about things. People would see me in the gym and ask me this or ask me that. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to start posting random videos and I could just send people to my Instagram. So that's kind of how it started. And it's not like I'm popular on Instagram in any way, but it started to get a little bit of a following. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. I started enjoying it. I started posting more and more videos. Then I had to open a Facebook account because <laughs> Instagram kind of makes you. Um, and so now it's like been a slow transition. So Instagram was just strictly out of, you know, uh, just passion for this, for movement. And a lot of the stuff I post is really just movement stuff. Um, uh, sometimes you'll find some nutrition and, and some breath work and, and maybe my stories, but it's mostly just movement for now. But I think that's going to have to evolve as, as things come live here with the programs and such. And do you think you want to take it to a place where you are this like on-air talent where you're, you're not necessarily presenting, but like you're a person where people go to Dave to learn from Dave as this like online personality that's educating. Like, do you think you want to go there or do you kind of want to go for that more you just have the course and the social media helps you advertise that. To be honest, I'm still trying to figure out where the long-term path is. I, I, and I kind of want to let clients dictate that for me. Right. I, I mean, we're going to see what, where the main interests are. Um, but right now, so my website is going to essentially have, you know, some free mobility uh, videos that people can go on and kind of just follow along if they want. There's going to be some free breathing assessment tools and ways they can kind of understand where their respiratory system is. And there's going to be some free kind of functional competence and different things you can incorporate into your life. And that's all going to be just available there. Then there's also going to be the opportunity if they want to work with me through mobility or breath work, or if they want to do full programs like health and wellness programs. So that's all going to be available on the website. As people start to come and traffic hopefully starts to increase, we'll see kind of where the interest is. I mean, me personally, I just, I just love doing this. I enjoy it. I have such a passion for it and I just want to share it. So we'll see who wants to receive the news, I guess. And then we'll build the business around that. Just to clarify there. So you have the website and the work. Um, and then in mm -hmm. terms of products, people can work either directly with you or mm -hmm. take a course. Is, is that, that's kind of how I understood it. Yeah, even the courses would be working with me. So if you were to take like a 12 week program with me, You'd have two classes a week with me. One would be for mobility and one would be for functional competence, meaning nutrition, lifestyle, and how we can kind of make sure you're, you're kind of crossing all the T's and dotting the I's throughout your life and, and your objectives and the goals and see what we would 
need to try to achieve after that 12-week program. So yeah, we'd sit down first, do an evaluation, figure out where we're at, what the main objectives are. And then we would check in kind of weekly, have different educational focuses as we work through different breathing and mobility and, and adjustments based on the objectives and the individual. So even that would be working directly with me. So most, I wonder if like this could be like something that could be marketed to not just athletes, which is primarily a lot of the people you work with, Dave, from my understanding mm -hmm. is, is athletes. Like I wonder mm -hmm. how many, you know, creative people or just regular people could benefit from this, but they don't realize that, you know, I feel like some people look at these programs and they go, this is what, you know, a high performance athlete would do. But like, how do you market it to just everyday people or creative people or whatever? Because I think you'd benefit like tenfold of whatever the cost would be i think it's just investing yourself with this would would change everything but it's like I how do you yeah, market I'm, it to them i'm trying to give people tools to go and be a healthy human right not to have to work with dave forever right you know it's not like you pay me forever it's like here's a whole bunch of tools you can take to go be the best you you can be right like that's the idea that i'm trying to build what i'm noticing though right away is because i work with so many young athletes i work with a lot of youth athletes their parents are going to benefit from from these full programs tremendously and it, and i hope i eventually hope maybe we can i can do some family programs where we have you know parents with their children and how we can kind of incorporate this across an entire family and change you know ch really change lives instead of just you know one or two elite level athletes right like how can we help the greater population now I have a follow-up to that. Um, Will was talking about how I think people, wellness has become definitely more top of mind with the pandemic. In terms of your client base and who you're working with right now, have you personally seen an uptake in non-athletes coming to you to your dice? Or has it just been kind of mostly that core audience of I'm a youth athlete or I'm just somebody who wants to improve my body? I wouldn't say it has been a tremendous uptick, but I have seen a few new clients that are you know outside of the athlete realm. Yeah couple of a couple of ladies that yeah and and a couple of dads that i've been working with recently that's been yeah it's enjoyable too it's different right i, I mm -hmm. enjoy it a lot man yeah. well i i've i've one last question i just want to talk about the cow the notorious cow that you have i don't know if you're legally allowed to like is this something you actually talk about in the podcast i could talk I've... about it i'm allowed legally to have a cow yeah okay cool cool because i know <laughs> that there is a law that you can't or the fda i don't know what the canadian thing is are you going down the milk hole is this where the milk going? hole because i was telling okay. Mose about this i'm like dave needs to tell Mose about this because it's so like random and cool because i i love this idea you can't legally buy or drink i think you can legally drink but you can't legally buy uh raw cow milk right That's so yeah. you found a little loophole well it's yeah i didn't personally find it but uh so if you're interested in ancestral living anybody look up weston a price he was a dentist about 100 years ago that traveled the world and kind of figured out this ancestral way of living was what was keeping all these tribes all over the world healthy keeping their teeth straight and all kinds of cool stuff so look him up why, why I bring them up is because on their website is where you can find sources for this type of thing. So I found a farmer local to me that's willing to provide raw milk. So I called up the farmer and we got talking. I drove out to the farm to meet the farmer. Mr. Farmer, Ian, Farmer Ian, really dry sense of humor. I try to get him to smile every time I go, but I'm not always successful. So we went out and I met him and he explained to me the only way he can sell me milk was if I bought a share in his herd. So I had to buy a cow share. So technically I'm a part owner of a cow. So I had to buy five years. 
So I'm for five years, I'm a part owner of a cow in his herd. And that allows me to consume the milk from my cow. So legally in Canada, he's not allowed to sell milk, but I'm actually consuming milk from my cow because I own a share of the cow. So when I go, I can get raw milk. So for my son, who's not two years old yet, he drinks all this raw milk that's not pasteurized, that's full of vitamins and nutrients, full of all the fat soluble vitamin A, vitamin D, right? All the vitamin K, all the stuff that gets burned away when they pasteurize it. So all the real good stuff. I also get raw cream from him and then I can make my raw butter. Oh, it's so good. So, I mean, I get my pasture raised eggs from him. So I will go and I say hi to my chickens while I watch them eating bugs before he brings me a carton of six cartons of giant eggs that are all different colors and speckled and what eggs are supposed to look like from the farm. So yeah, that's where we go weekly to go get our dairy. It's also a good way to get shoulders like Dave, where you churn your own butter. It's a great workout. You know, you get the full core and thoracic spine workout and that's this is how you get the gains you gotta you gotta farm your own goods to buy but this has been amazing i love these kind of conversations i could tell mose is really into it too is there any last question you want to ask mose or can we can we wrap here yeah my my last question so you you've gone from i i didn't know this beforehand before the interview but you went from working in a very stable career in engineering um and then have since have been trying to build this business in that journey so far, like what is that one lesson that's been most useful um, for your journey? I would say uh, do what you love. Like, I mean, I wish I did this 10 years ago. I wish I did this 15 years ago. I wish I went to school for sports science and not engineering. So, I mean, my advice would be find what you love and don't be scared to jump both feet in right away. Like do it do it. There's no, there's, there should be nothing holding you back, especially if you're young and creative. <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much for coming on. Can you please plug anything that you want to plug on the podcast and then we can wrap up? I guess. Yeah. Just find me on Instagram for now. Um, the website's not quite live yet, so I don't want to send people there, but uh, BMC that's beast move city. So BMC underscore mayor on Instagram and yeah, shoot me any questions anytime, send people over there and I'm, I'm happy to answer questions anytime. All right, great guys. Give every everyone give Dave a follow on social media. It's really good stuff. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, every every single platform. It's Render Repeat Podcast. We'll be back next week with you guys with a new episode. See ya. <laughs>